Greetings, greetings, greetings. Today we're going to get into chapter 10 of Abeni's Song by Paige Ellie Clark. We left off with her birthday after all of those lessons and she's 13 now and she had her first rites of passage. She's no longer a little girl. She's considered a young woman in her culture and she has learned a lot. She's been through a lot. She's lost a lot. She's gained some new things over this past year and um, it's been a journey but she's been courageous through it all. So now we're getting into chapter 10, Shadow. And a shadow can be, can be intimidating, um, whether you're prepared for it or not. But it's best to be prepared. I recall one of the pots, one of the magic pots, the first one, the nice one, the kind one that tried to guide her. Um, show her a bit of the future that's possible and it warned her to beware of the shadows all her training with uh, Auntie Asha and the forest and the doors the magic doors the cosmic gateways and Ovi and the tasks that she's faced in past I hope they prepared her well for the shadows because shadows come. Dark and light are part of life. So let's get into it. Chapter 10, Shadow. It was many days later that Abeni found herself in the garden late at night. She lay lazily in Obi's lap, leaning against him, as he braided her hair. The straw man was as comfortable as any bed, and his straw fingers parted and twisted her hair just right, never pulling hard enough to make her cry out. She had a very tender scalp. The cool night breeze washed over her as she sat gazing up at the stars, humming her song. About them, the tall green stalks swayed and whispered, trying to get her to listen to some idle bit of news that had drifted their way. And there's the crocodile the hunter keeps away, Abeni said, pausing to point out the star to Obi. His spear is the one I followed back home, my old home, when I ran away. I think I can fit it into the song. I just need to come up with the right words. She'd learned the entire song by now. It was still hard to believe, but Auntie Asha had managed to teach her the whole thing. She'd gotten it down so well that some parts, namely where she was concerned, she had changed slightly to make them better. I'll sing you what I have so far, she yawned. If you don't like it, Just shake your head. The straw man nodded, silent and patient as always, nudging her head to the side so he could start on another set of braids. 
She hummed the new verses between several more yawns, but her eyelids grew heavier by the moment under his nimble fingers, and she soon drifted away. Abaini shivered awake at a sudden chill. Opening her eyes, she found she was still in Obi's lap. How long had she been asleep? She hugged herself, shivering. And why was it so cold? Gazing up at the night, she saw the stars staring back. Then some of them disappeared. Not twinkling, just gone. It happened so quick, she thought she was seeing things, but no. A group of stars had vanished. Sitting up, she was about to mention it to Obi when the stars reappeared. There was a shadow. It was so dark, it cut even against the black of the night sky. She couldn't make out a shape exactly. Just large wings like some giant flying thing. Her heart pounded as she first thought of the Bat Riders. Only this was bigger than even the giant bats. Wherever it passed, its darkness swallowed the stars, blocking them from view until it moved on. She was certain it was where the coldness came from, as if it stole the very warmth from the air. Something in her mind nagged. Something about this was familiar. Before she could even comment aloud on it, Auntie Asha suddenly came running from the house. The old woman dashed through the garden and passed them, holding the hem of her brown sleeping tunic above her bare feet. Stopping in the middle of the tall stalks, she glared upward, following the shadow. Her feet quickly dug into the soil, moving in a blur to bury up to her ankles. Then with her eyes closed, she tilted her head back until her white locks fell in a long shroud and moaned. Abeni gasped as that deep moaning reached her ears and something powerful washed over her. Magic. She could feel its tingle on her skin, making the fine hairs there rise on end. Her head swam beneath the strength of it, scattering her thoughts like a wind blowing through dandelions. She could even taste the magic, pungent and sweet. It filled her nostrils with the scent of rich, toiled earth and the air before a storm. It pushed out from Auntie Asha in waves, drowning everything in its depths. The grass stalks grew taller as they swayed in that torrent of magic, going high to tower over them. Fresh green vines crept up to encircle the walls of the house, while the roof burst open into colorful flowers. Abani watched in amazement. Everything was growing. She tried to sit up further, wanting to see more, but Obi draped his body over her curling up in a ball and holding her tight. She remained beneath him, peeking up at the sky. At one point, the shadow passed right over them, so close that the cold of it made her breath, her very breath, visible. 
then it was gone. <clears throat> when the straw man lifted back up, she stared in awe out across the garden. It looked as if all the plants and flowers had grown taller or their branches and leaves had spread out farther. Auntie Asha stood with her feet still rooted into the ground. But where she seemed so powerful moments ago, now she only looked tired. Her body drooped and she seemed older, as if she'd aged in that brief time. Frowning up at the sky, she was talking to herself, murmuring loud enough to be heard. The pots. I have to consult the pots. I thought I had more time. Her head moved about absently, and when her eyes fell on Abeni, their gazes connected. The old woman's face showed surprise before turning hard as stone, deepening into something terrible. Abeni shrank back, suddenly fearful of that look. She didn't think she was supposed to have seen or heard any of what had just happened. Before she could speak, Auntie Asha gestured with a hand and uttered one word, like a command that echoed and rang in her head, sleep. And that's exactly what she did. Abeni woke the next morning and went about her usual tasks. She sparred with Obi. She had gotten so good now that he barely ever managed to touch her. As he came at her with Farmer beating the ground for snakes, she dodged and struck back with the high-sweeping monkey knocking down fruit. She shouted with success as the wooden wide-brimmed hat flew from his head at the blow. Running to pick it up, she put it on and did a little dance. His staff dropped to his side immediately as he bowed, bowed low. Strutting to the front of the house, she found Auntie Asha peeling fruit. The old woman glanced up, taking note of her. And why are you wearing a straw man's hat? I want it, Abeni proclaimed, sitting down. It was the first time she'd managed that, and she was quite proud. She deserved a reward, she thought, and grabbed a piece of fruit. The old woman's face put on a half a smile. You should give it back. He's quite prideful for a straw man. Oh, I will, Abeni said, chewing noisily, but he'll have to win it back. Auntie Asha shook her head, then looked down to her peeling. Sleep well? Abeni shrugged. Well enough, I guess. She had to guess, because she couldn't really recall. In fact, she couldn't remember how she fell asleep at all. She had been out in the garden with Obi, and then this morning had awoken in her bed. Something about it nagged at her, but she couldn't say what. <clears throat> her eyes ran across the garden and the house where vines entwined the walls and flowers covered the straw roof. That had always been like that, hadn't it? And the grass stalks were always that tall, weren't they? She stared at them, feeling as if she was missing something. Good, Auntie Asha said, breaking into her thoughts, because I have a task for you, out in the forest. Abeni's eyes lit up, and she promptly forgot whatever it was she had been thinking. Despite her first harrowing trek into the forest, she enjoyed it now. 
and it was on rare occasions that the old woman let her venture out alone. I want you to go and bring me back some morning mushrooms. Benny's excitement melted away. Morning mushrooms, Auntie Asha nodded, and I need them still jumping, so mind how you do so. Abeni groaned out loud. They'd gone out to get morning mushrooms before. The plants were far from here, at least a quarter day's walk. What's more, they only came out at dawn, with the first hints of sunlight. After that, they disappeared into the ground and wriggled so far down you'd never reach them. Even if she left right now, She'd spend the whole night waiting for them to appear. I'll have to spend all night out there, she complained, slurping down more fruit. Auntie Asha nodded. No other way for it. Why do you need them? The old woman stopped her from taking a last piece of fruit. Because I do. Stop asking questions. You can pack whatever you need. That's a lot to carry, Abeni grumbled. Yes, Auntie Asha agreed. So, I thought you might take the big bag. Abeni's eyes lit up. The big bag? She all but squeaked. The old woman gave her a knowing smile and pulled out a plain sack weaved of brown cloth. Abeni accepted it excitedly. The big bag. It was Auntie Asha's favorite magic bag. The one she'd brought along on the night Abeni had run away. Much like their odd house, It was larger on the inside than the outside. It could hold all sorts of things, but never grew any bigger or heavier. And if you put food in there, it stayed fresh or warm, even when you took it out days later. A cup of water could go in and never spill. Abeni clutched it to herself eagerly. This was the first time she'd ever been allowed to use it. I thought you might like that, Auntie Asha said approvingly. Set out whenever you like, though you'll have to leave in time to reach the place where the morning mushrooms grow. Just be certain to get as many as you can. You recall how to get there, yes? I remember, Abeni said, fitting the bag's straps over her shoulder. The old woman had taught her many tricks of how to find her way through the forest. And she'd made her memorize the path to most of the places they visited. Can I take Obi? Auntie Asha shook her head. No, I'll need him here. Abeni made a disappointed sound. But I could do it faster with him. Maybe I'd even get back sooner. No, Auntie Asha's voice was suddenly strong and she looked up with a stern glare. Dropping her fruit... She put a hand to Abeni's shoulder and gripped tight. I need you to remain out there all night. Do not return here until you have gathered as many as you can. Do you understand me? Tell me you do. Abeni looked back, startled. Had she done something wrong? Had she said something wrong? I understand. The old woman released her grip and returned to peeling fruit. I really need those mushrooms, she muttered. There was a pause as she began again, eyes still on her fruit. I've tried to recall memories of my life when I was still young, before I became the old woman in the forest, but it's like...
her brow furrowed as she searched for words. It's like trying to remember someone else's dream. She looked up, her dark eyes glittering. Before you came, I'd grown so used to being alone, I'd forgotten what it was like to be around others. But you, Abeni, filled with so much life and will, so much wanting, you have managed to remind me of that. Remind me maybe of what I used to be. Remind me that I am more than just the old woman in the forest who your people visited now and then. I want you to know I've learned lessons from you as well in your time here. Abeni listened quietly, accepting the praise, unsure of what to say. She'd never thought she had anything to teach anyone, especially someone who seemed to know so much. Just be careful when you're out there, the old woman said, ending the odd moment. I'll pack along a few extra things. Keep to the paths we've taken. Don't go looking for shortcuts. Stay out of the darker parts of the forest. She took another pause. And watch out for the shadows. That last part caused a flicker in Abani's memory. <clears throat> watch out for shadows, she repeated. That's what the pot said. Auntie Asha frowned at her, puzzled. The scrying pot told me that too. Watch out for shadows, I'd forgotten. Auntie Asha looked away, returning to her peeling. It will be a long trip. Best prepare. It was well into the afternoon when Abeni set out, <clears throat> waving goodbye to Auntie Asha and Obi. This was her first night trip alone, and the two had busied themselves helping her pack. <clears throat> there was food, water, blankets, and a lot of other things. Luckily, the magic of the bag kept it light. She was wrapped in a brown dress and had two more in case this one got dirty. Her staff came along, of course, and sandals good for walking. Auntie Asha had given very precise instructions, making note of trees, plants, rocks, and other sites along the way in case Abeni had forgotten. <clears throat> With little to pass the time, she practiced her song going over the harder parts. The sun drooped low and she stopped to eat, taking out a bowl of soup from the bag, warm as if it had just been made and not a drop spilled. The trick Auntie Asha had explained was to think about what you wanted before reaching inside. Of course, the bag only held what you filled it with. If you tried to get something you hadn't put in there, Your hand just came out empty. Finishing her meal, she started out again. It was twilight. After her last trek alone at night, she had stuck to the path Auntie Asha said was safe. But for good measure, she brought protection. She held it now. A round, smooth ball of stone. Shaking it made it glow. The harder she shook, the brighter it got. If she shook strong enough, It would make a blinding light, like the one that had chased those bat riders away. Hopefully, she'd never need that. 
Right now, she just used it to light her way. She reached her destination sometime after nightfall. It was a patch of dirt beneath a big tree with a tall trunk and twisted roots going in every direction. She knelt to look over the dark soil. The morning mushrooms were in there, she knew, but wouldn't come out until dawn. If she tried to dig them out now, they'd just burrow deeper and then might not come out at all. That meant a long wait until dawn when they would appear with the first rays of sunlight. Sighing, she pulled a blanket from the bag, not the one with the habit of fighting her, (laughs) and sat down to wait. Time seemed to pass slower than usual. With nothing else to do, her mind wandered back to her earlier conversation with Auntie Asha. The old woman was behaving oddly. Well, as odd as you could expect from a witch. (laughs) Watch out for shadows. A strange thing to say. Strange also that she'd heard it once from a pot. Stranger still that Auntie Asha ignored it. Now, here she was, bundled off and sent to gather mushrooms. The more she thought about it, the more it confounded her, and she found herself unable to sleep. Instead, her thoughts drifted again to the garden, the house covered in vines and flowers, how it all felt somehow off, like she was forgetting something, or worse, She wasn't being told something. It gnawed at her like a root jutting in her back and she tossed and turned wanting to go back home now to get to the bottom of things. It was annoying knowing she'd have to wait until dawn. Suddenly she was struck by an idea. She looked down to the faint glow coming from the stone she still held in her hand. Maybe... She could make the sun come out early in a way. She moved to kneel over the patch of dirt. Putting the stone right above, she shook it slightly. The glow grew a little, but in the dirt, nothing happened. She shook it again, and the light grew more. Still nothing. This time, she shook the ball until it became so bright she squinted at it and waited, holding her breath. Just beneath the dirt, there was faint movement, little things wriggling about. She bent down, waiting to see if the mushrooms would make an appearance. But the wriggling stopped, just near the surface. They seemed hesitant. She thought about reaching in and trying to grab them, but that wouldn't do. They just burrowed deeper and might not come back out for days. But if she made the ball any brighter, they might think it was midday and disappear back into the soil. What do I have to do to get you out, she murmured. Thinking, she remembered something Auntie Asha did each morning. She sang to her plants. When she did, they seemed to perk up, their leaves sitting just a bit higher or their stalks straighter. She'd always thought it was some kind of magic, but maybe it was the song itself. Bending low, just above the dirt patch, she began to hum. It was a soft song about morning and waking up. Her mother used to sing it to her, 
and though she didn't know all the words, she could hum it easily. As she watched, the wriggling in the soil started up again. It grew more intense the longer she hummed. The soil began swirling about like the surface of a small pond. One by one, small forms pushed up from the dirt. Morning mushrooms, each was big enough to fit in her palm. They freed themselves by the dozens, touching the night air, drawn by her humming and the glowing light. Their white and purple spotted hoods spread wide as if yawning awake. Still humming, a Benny reached for her bag, opening it wide and lightly shaking the ball of light. The mushrooms followed, hopping on little white stems, chasing after what they thought was the sun. First, one at a time, then in bunches they jumped into the gaping bag. In moments, she had enough to fill a basket. Flicking the ball of light once, she let it go dark again. The remaining mushrooms outside the bag squealed in alarm, snapping their hoods shut and diving back down into the soil. No matter, she already had all that she needed. Opening the bag, she peered inside. The morning mushrooms she had caught jumped about, squealing and mewing as they wriggled against each other. But they were trapped all the same. She closed the bag shut and thought of nothing, just an empty bag. When she opened it again, the mushrooms were all gone. They were somewhere in there, she knew, wherever things in the bag went. But she'd have to think of them to find them again. Sitting there, she realized her work was done. She no longer needed to be out here. Without a second thought, she slung the bag back across her shoulder and started back home. As she walked, she thought over Auntie Asha's insistence she stay out the whole night. But that had been to get the mushrooms, and she'd done so, only a lot earlier. She thought of the feelings that had nagged at her. If the old woman was really trying to get rid of her for the night, she wanted to know why. When will you stop trying to keep secrets from me? She spoke softly. Abeni is spoiled. She is so spoiled. She's a young woman now, but she's still spoiled because she doesn't really get heavy, heavy punishments um, from Auntie Asha. She gets heavy punishments from life. (laughs) But Auntie Asha is real, really, truly soft on her for the most part. Um, Because she told her, she warned her, don't take any shortcuts. But that nagging feeling of, like you could tell Auntie Asha was just trying to get her out there to stay away from the house all night and uh, uh, Abani is too curious just she's too curious um the magic bag reminds me of ourselves like our minds you know how when you think of something over and over again and it and it eventually comes to you some people call it manifestation um some people refer to it as like energy you, you're drawing certain things to you and that could be good or bad Like, if you think on something, you think on something, eventually it comes to you. Like, say you're driving down the highway and 
Um, you just went car shopping and you were looking for a, a red Corvette. And all of a sudden, you're going to see a bunch of red Corvettes. It's like you're, you're drawing that energy to you somehow. So with the magic bag, it's like when you have something and you put it in the bag, you don't see it again until you think of it and you can reach and get it or whatever. But if you've never put in the work, if you've never put that thing into the bag, you can't get it out the bag. So that's like a, a lesson in itself. Um, but yeah, Abeni is determined. I can't believe she used that light to trick those mushrooms <laughs> out of the ground. And it reminds me of um, two things I learned in my real life recently about plants and flowers. Um, one, I do volunteer work at an organic garden and they grow gourds and gourds only they have um, flowers that only they have nocturnal flowers. So during the day, their flowers are closed, but at night they open and they're so beautiful. So I stay a little bit later than normal so I can see the flowers um, open. And then while I was in Africa, uh, I went to Ghana, West Africa last December, December 2022, and we went to the last bag um, where uh, ancestors who were um, part of the ones taken through the forest um, were made to wash off their bodies before being taken to those ships. And so as visitors to the last bath memorial, we had our shoes off. We were walking in the same dirt that they walked in. And we were told that there were these flowers along the way. Leaves, if you touch them, they close up. And that was the way that those who were taken would warn others who were not taken that the slavers had come this way. It was a warning. They used the flowers because the Europeans didn't know. The Portuguese didn't know. And, and other Europeans who came didn't know about those flowers until they found out about them. But at first, they didn't know. So early on, the people who were taken with one, their family and friends, by touching the flower, the plant, and then the plant, the leaves would close up. And that would be a warning. So nature is um goes beyond just the eye nature is 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 wondrous and indigenous african people have have had a very close relationship with nature um and spirit and spirit and it was striking to me how auntie asha told let me go back to that page Auntie Asha told um, Abeni how much she learned from her. That was beautiful. Like, I wouldn't expect Auntie Asha to actually cry, but you could feel the emotion in her. And she was talking about how before Abeni came, she had gotten so used to being alone. But how Abeni, now she, this is an old woman that lived since since the beginning of the time of Abeni's village. 
but she learned, reminded Auntie Asha that she's more than just an old woman in the forest who her people visited now and then. Like, she she gave her that, that new kind of energy. She brought a new kind of energy into Auntie Asha's life. And um, we all have elders in our lives, not as old as Auntie Asha, but imagine the type of energy we bring when we visit them and, and really listen to them and learn from them and pay them some attention and, and help them out. Even if they might not remember you, like one of my grandmothers, um, rest in peace, Grandma Ellen, one of my grandmothers, I went to visit her um, before she passed. And she didn't necessarily always recognize me, but it, there, there were spurts when she did. And I said, I'll be back soon, Grandma. And she said, you always say that. And I did always say that. And I didn't go as often as I should have. But she she lit up when I came. Oh, gosh. So this is just a reminder. I'm getting off the book right now. But if you have elders in your life, go. Let them put something in your magic bag for you. All right, back to the book. It was in the very late night, later than she would ever normally be awake, that she found herself finally just outside their garden. Nothing seemed amiss. Everything was like she left it. So why couldn't she shake whatever was bothering her? Walking through the tall blades of grass, she found them surprisingly quiet, They were usually forever chattering and giggling, but now they just clung to her silently, some getting in her way. She pushed past them, wondering at their odd behavior, until she noticed they weren't all that was quiet. Abeni stopped to listen for the sounds of the forest and heard nothing. There were no night birds, no animal calls, not even a chirping cricket. Something definitely wasn't right. Not knowing why, she crouched low in the stalks of grass. A chill crept through her, the night air gone suddenly cold, and she saw it, a shadow. That was the only word for it. Darker than the night. The shadow looked like it belonged to an unusually tall and slender man. Only there was no unusually tall and slender man to cast it. This shadow moved on its own. And it looked as solid to the touch as she was. The shadow walked about the front of their house on long, spindly legs that made no sound, almost gliding across the ground. Coming to a window, it stopped, its neck stretching impossibly long as it poked a faceless head to peer inside. Arbani clamped a hand over her mouth to stop from crying out. The shadow thing was looking inside their house. It seemed to be searching. But what was it? And what did it want? 
She had to warn Auntie Asha. The old woman was probably asleep. She might not even know. Her thoughts were broken as their front door flew open with a loud bang. The shadow thing seemed equally surprised, pulling its head from the window and stepping back as someone appeared. Abaney gasped. Obi! The straw man stood tall, blocking the doorway, his staff in hand. The shadow thing studied him for a moment, its head twisting this way and that. Obi kept still, his featureless face unreadable beneath his wide-brimmed hat. The odd standoff lasted only a moment as the shadow surged forward. It moved as oddly as it walked, more gliding than running and amazingly fast. Obi came to life at once, staff whirling in his hands as he swiped the shadow thing right across its middle. Its dark body was cut clean in two as the thick, sturdy wood passed through it, sending the top half flying. When the staff came back up, only a pair of long, spiny legs were left standing. Abeni sighed in relief. But as she watched, in dismay, the head and torso that had flown away stretched back down, reaching the legs. They came together and settled to become whole again. When Obi struck out a second time, the shadow thing slipped aside, stretching its long body. An arm wrapped around the straw man's staff like a snake, wrenching it away and snapping the thick wood in two. The shadow latched another snaking tendril onto one of Obi's arms, pulling hard until it was ripped from his shoulder. The same was done to Obi's other arm, then his legs, and last his head. When the shadow thing was done, it tossed what was left of the straw man aside. Abani stared in horror, watching Obi be torn apart. The scattered pieces of his body still twitched, hands and feet groping about in the dark to find one another. She wanted to run and help him, but she found she couldn't move. It felt like something held her to the spot. She was terrified. All that training. And when it came time to fight, her own body betrayed her. Still hidden, she watched as the shadow thing again prepared to walk into their house. Get up, she shouted in her head. Move, you have to warn Suddenly, the shadow thing stopped in its tracks. It backed off hurriedly away from the door. Someone was coming out of the house. Auntie Asha! Abani's heart leapt. The old woman walked from her home, her face a scowling mask as she held her gnarled staff before her. She stared at the shadow thing with eyes that could cut stone. So, she said in a tone to match her dark look, You have found me at last. The shadow thing stared back at her with an eyeless face. Then, to Abaney's shock, it spoke. It didn't have a mouth, and she couldn't understand what it was saying, but it was definitely speaking. Its voice was a buzzing, like the sound of endless bees right in her ears, so that she felt the urge to swat about her head. Hearing it made her feel cold all over again and her body shook join you auntie asha asked 
seeming to understand the buzzing. She barked a sharp laugh. Go back to your master. Tell him he has nothing I want. And do not darken my door again if you know what's good for you. The shadow thing reared up at her response, its slender body stretching until it became taller than the old woman. The buzzing grew louder, almost tickling Abeni's ears now, but it wasn't bees, she realized. It was voices, dozens, perhaps even more, all talking at once. And they sounded very angry. Auntie Asha glared back. Try then, she growled in a low voice. If you must. At her words, the shadow thing leapt for her. But Auntie Asha was quicker. She brought her staff up, chanting aloud. The gnarled and knotted wood grew bright with light. When it struck, the shadow thing's body trembled and it shrieked. Abeni clamped her hands over her ears at the awful sound. It was like dozens of mouths, all opening and shrieking at once. Now she understood. The shadow wasn't one thing. It was many things. And they were all screaming, screaming and cursing in pain. The light, they cried, Cursed light! It burns! It burns! With a violent tremor, the shadow thing's body broke apart and a river of smaller shadow things scurried away. Some slithered. Others ran on legs. Two, and as many as ten, they sought out the dark, fleeing from the staff's light. In moments they were gone, and there was silence. Abeni clutched her chest, heart pounding as she took in shallow breaths. She was still frightened beyond belief, but she was also thankful to see the shadow thing fleeing. Auntie Asha looked relieved, too. Her staff slowly dimmed, and she leaned against it, heavily, looking weary. Even her locks hung limp. All that magic must have tired her. She needed help. Abeni was starting to rise from her hiding place when a sound sent her still again, buzzing. It started as a low hum, but grew steadily. The many dark things were returning. They ran or slithered or crawled, meeting and joining together again, merging into one another, the buzzing of their many voices growing louder as they spoke. Cannot destroy us. We are forever like you. In moments, the shadow thing reformed into the tall, slender man. Auntie Asha stared at it grimly, tightening her grip on her staff. She stood up straight and rolled her shoulders. Back for more then, she asked. A hundred terrible voices laughed. You are old now and weak. We shall see, Auntie Asha replied gruffly. Or is talking all you do? She lifted her staff with a yell, struck again. The wood flickered back to life, though its light was not as strong this time. The shadow thing staggered back at the blow. But its body didn't fall apart like before. 
It lashed out an arm, extending it like a whip to wrap around the staff. The old woman uttered a word, and tiny needles of light erupted all over the snaking tentacle, forcing it to pull away. The shadow thing hissed with its many voices, and this time lunged for the staff, wrapping several snaking arms about it. Wherever that darkness touched, the light drained away, leaving the wood rotted. The old woman dropped the staff quickly, but not fast enough. The sickness spreading along the wood had touched her, and one of her hands began to wither. She bent over, clutching it in pain. The sight of Auntie Asha hurt made a bany jump, causing the stalks of green to rustle. The sound was so slight that no one should have heard it, but the shadow thing twisted a faceless head to the garden. Auntie Asha looked up as well, following its eyeless gaze. Abani did not dare to breathe. What the shadow thing was seeing, she didn't know. But Auntie Asha's eyes went wide, staring directly at her. Something in the old woman came back alive then. She stood tall, letting out a sharp yell that drew the shadow thing's attention Every part of her seemed to fill with life. Her withered hand healed, and her long locks rose up on end like white snakes as her body turned bright until she was glowing. Chanting in words that echoed through the night, she flung her arms out wide and called. From inside the house came a sudden clatter, and as Abani watched in awe, an army emerged. Weapons, masks, Drums, even plates and bowls, all came charging. They were all things from the many rooms she had cleaned. They poured out of the house, streaming past Auntie Asha in a wave to attack the shadow thing. Spears thrust at it. Drums beat upon it. Crocodile masks snapped at it while plates and gourds crashed against it. They fought with a fury brought to life by Auntie Asha's magic and channeled by her anger. The shadow thing lifted its many arms to protect itself, retreating under the barrage. For a moment, Abeni thought it might even break apart again, but it quickly sought Auntie Asha out, realizing she was the source of the attack. Its shadowy body twisted and slid about, leaping this way and that, avoiding sword swipes and baskets that came hurtling at its head. Slowly, it waded through the mayhem until it stood right before the old woman. Abani held her breath as everything seemed to slow. Auntie Asha stared up at the shadow towering, towering before her. Then she gave the slightest nod. The shadow thing reached into its own body to pull out a long spear made of darkness. Drawing an arm back, it gave a sudden quick thrust, plunging the weapon down into Auntie Asha's chest. The old woman's face nodded up in pain and her dark eyes went black as the night. She hung there for a terrible moment that to Abani felt like an anguished forever. When the spear was pulled free, the old woman dropped to the ground and did not get back up. Abani watched in horror as Auntie Asha lay sprawled in front of the house. This can't be happening. This can't be real. The shadow thing stared down at the old woman's unmoving form before its gaze 
turned to look around. The many objects that had attacked had gone still, no longer animated. In a fit of anger, the shadow thing kicked away one of the baskets. Then it crushed a drum beneath a foot. It picked up a spear and snapped it into two. Lost in a senseless rage, it destroyed whatever it could get its hands on. Its many voices buzzing angrily. When it grew bored with that, it turned to the garden. Abeni's stomach fell away as the faceless head swiveled in her direction. The shadow thing glided forward, grabbing a nearby flower between dark fingers. The colorful petals blackened at its touch and the stem shriveled away, ripping the dead plant from the dirt it moved on to another. She watched as it set about tearing up and killing the garden in delight, and it was getting steadily closer to her. The grass stalks crowded in close, trying to hide her. But she knew that once the shadow thing touched them, they would wither away too, and she would be exposed. She shuddered to think what it would do once it found her. Suddenly, a dreadful sound cut across her fearful thoughts. A horn, deep and rumbling in the night. She thought it might have been the most horrible thing she'd ever heard. Only she'd heard it before. On the day her village fell, the horn had sounded and the storm women had ended their attack. It had the same effect now. The shadow thing stopped its mayhem, turning to stare in the direction of the horn. It looked back to the house and uttered something like a curse. At once, the whole structure burst into roaring flames. The shadow thing stood watching the fire for a while before stretching out its arms and transforming into something that looked like just two large wings. They flapped up into the air, soaring high into the sky, and wherever they passed, the stars faded away. A memory flooded Abani's mind, seeing the shadow things soaring and searching, Auntie Asha running out to make the green things about them grow, hiding them away, being told to sleep. And as the sound of that awful horn came once again, it drew out an even deeper memory. The day her village had been attacked, Sitting up on the roof of the meeting house, she had looked up and seen something dark moving through the gloom. It had, she knew, been this very shadow thing, and that horn meant it was a servant of the witch priest. As soon as the shadowy wings vanished into the distance, she dashed from her hiding place, running and stumbling down to reach Auntie Asha. She grabbed her, shaking her and calling out her name, but the old woman was still. Not knowing what else to do, Abeni grabbed onto Auntie Asha's dress, trying to drag her away from the burning house. She strained at the effort. The heat and smoke were unbearable, and she coughed beneath them. She was beginning to lose hope when a hand touched her shoulder. She shouted and whirled around, imagining every horror possible, only to find, oh, B, the straw man had somehow managed to pull himself together, or mostly so. 
He looked like a poor version of himself, missing bits of straw and singed all over, but he was standing. He too took hold of Auntie Asha, and together they pulled her away from the burning house. When they had gone a good way, Abeni fell to her knees, coughing from the smoke, wondering what to do. She heard someone call her name, not Auntie Asha, who remained still, and of course not Obi. When the call came again, she turned back to the burning house. There was a door in front of it now, made of plain brown wood and painted white with red symbols. She recognized it. The room filled with pots, and the call was coming from inside. Wait here, she told Obi. Rising, she ran to the door, pulling it open to find fire. Everything was smoke and flames in here, too, just like the house. The pots that filled the room burned, some cracking from the heat. It was such a terrible scene that the last thing she expected was singing. But the, repot, but the pots that remained were all singing mournful songs and bidding each other farewell. They swayed back and forth, bellowing at the top of their lungs or whatever they spoke with. Abeni, one called. She looked down to find the bowl with the glowing white waters, the scrying pot, the moon waters. The old woman had called it. Strange images appeared on its surface, showing things she didn't fully understand. I needed to find you, it said. Almost time for us to go now. Abeni looked to the burning pots. They hadn't been nice to her, but they didn't deserve this. I can get some of you out of here in the big bag. Just let me know, the crying, the scrying pot shouted. The magic I alone hold is too great. Better we end here. I called to give you something. Look down. Abeni did. Sitting at her feet was a small cracked pot with three stones, one blue, one red, and one gold. They reminded her of colorful eggs. She bent to pick them up, finding each cool to the touch. Take them, the scrying pot said. You'll know when you need them. The cat will help. I've seen your many tomorrows. Have trust in what I say. The cat will help? These pots and their riddles. Unable to argue with what she didn't even understand, she hurriedly placed the stones into her bag. One last thing, Abeni. The scrying pot's tone turned stern. Beware the children of night. Abeni frowned. Another riddle? Who are the... Her eyes rounded. The children of night. That's what Asha's sister had said. He has taken the children. Taken them from me. The children of night. Her mind ran frantic. Do you mean my friends? The ones taken away? Are those the children of night? They become hidden in darkness was all the scrying pot said. To free them, you must seek them, but in finding them, you risk losing yourself. Before she could think on the words, some part of the room fell away, bringing down a heap of pots in flames. Go, Abeni, the scrying pot shouted. Leave this place and take Asha with you. 
But I want to know more. You have to tell me more. I've told you all I know. It's your tomorrow, after all. Not mine. Urbani didn't have a chance to say anything else because flames arose suddenly all around her. So hot, they burned her skin. Running from the room, she stumbled back to the garden. Behind her, the door slammed shut before going up in a whoosh of fire. She wondered then if all the doors were burning and if all the rooms were now being destroyed. Her eyes settled on Obi standing and waiting with Auntie Asha held in his arms. Walking hurriedly to them, she looked around. Where to now? Where could they go? She settled on a place she was familiar with, where they could hide if the shadow thing returned. Beckoning to Obi, she dashed through the garden, where the tall blades of grass whispered their goodbyes. She paused only to retrieve her staff, then led the way into the forest. From behind, she could hear the straw man trudging along with Auntie Asha in his arms. When she reached their destination, she stopped, out of breath. They were at the stream she gathered water from each morning. She had come here so many times, she could find it without thinking. Obi laid Auntie Asha beside her, and she knelt to hold the old woman's head in her lap, splashing water onto her face. Nothing happened. She tried to push some water past her lips, but they didn't open. Putting a hand to Auntie Asha's skin, Abeni trembled. It was cold. So, so cold. She looked up to Obi, shaking her head. I don't know what to do. I think she's... She might be. Her voice cracked as she struggled to say the word dead. What are we going to do, Obi? The straw man stared down in silence. Bending low, he brought fingers to gently brush her cheek, catching a lone tear. Then, with a sudden jerk, he pulled away. Standing straight up, lifting the wooden hat from his head, he gave a dramatic bow like the first time they'd met, then burst apart. Abeni blinked through the haze of straw falling about her. All that was left of Obi. It took moments to realize what had happened and what this meant. The magic that had created the straw man was now gone. So he had simply ceased to be. That magic had come from Auntie Asha. And if her magic had died, then she's dead. Abeni forced her mind to say. Auntie Asha was dead. Wow. So many things. When darkness and light are in harmony, like take our days and our nights, the sunshine is during the day, the moon is at night, and things are in harmony, and the day is what the day is. There's harmony. One doesn't try to overtake the other. It just is what it is. But when darkness and light battle, oh my goodness, that's that's where I think our energy comes in. Like, are we giving our energy to the dark? Or are we giving our energy to the light? And so the darkness has all those voices yelling and screaming and and 
being attached to it, you know? And here was Auntie Asha, centuries old, fighting on her own, strengthened by the love that she had for the for the little girl she saved and trying to protect her with everything, literally gave up her life because that nod she gave to the darkness. Oh my gosh, wow. Wow. Um, so, Abeni is 13 years old. She literally doesn't have any other human being around her. Um, the house is gone. The garden is gone. Obi is gone. Oh my goodness. She's been through a lot in her 13, her 13 harvests, harvest seasons, a lot. But at the very least, she has everything that her family put in her, that Auntie Asha put in her, that Ovi put in her, all her lessons, and her own strong will. Because she is a very strong-willed young lady. And she knows her song. And she still has the task of adding on to that song. But this is a lot. Like, how is she going to get through this? How is she going to get past this? Like, what does she do now? Wow. Until next chapter, y'all.